Hey, this is Marina, and you're listening to Sober Baby, a show about how the one thing I have to change is everything. Every Friday, I invite you to hang out with me and my guests on Instagram Live as we talk about addiction, sobriety, and everything in between. This is Sober Baby Episode 8 with Rachel and Eva. They speak truth about Adderall addictions, throwing up for 10 hours, and finding love in a hopeless place. College. Super, super, super grateful for the opportunity to do this uh, Sober Baby episode today with two just like amazing people. Um, I know that there's a lot going on in people's lives, and I know that there's just there's just been a lot going on in the world recently that's uh, just like tragic and racist and intense. And um, I just wanna just wanna honor that. Um, we aren't gonna be touching on like many of those topics today, but as always, this show tends to t- like tackle difficult topics. So um, just like just like know that. And I just wanna give a content warning for the episode. I think there might be a content warning around um, self-harm and suicide. So please just know that, you know, that we might talk about those topics. We might not, but I'd rather give a content warning and then not, um, you know, have it apply than, than to, uh, not respect folks who have experienced, um, trauma. So with that being said, um, welcome to Sober Baby episode eight. I am already parched. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was like really looking forward to this all week and really kind of scared about this all week and just like, oh my God, like, can I do um, these people justice? Like, can I, can I do uh, a show that like really acknowledges how amazing these people are? And before I invite Rachel and Eva onto the live stream, I just want to just share like the kind of objectives for the show. I try to do this every episode, but sometimes I forget. So I apologize for that. And it's so great to see everyone here. My love, my love, our traverted is, is on the call and always so appreciative of your support. So thank you. Cause Danny deals with like my alcoholic ass <laughs> all the time. And you guys get to see like this like seated version of me. And Danny gets to see like the version of me, like manically cleaning, like the dishes in the kitchen at 7am. You know what I mean? So I appreciate you and I love you, baby. Um, but yeah, Sober Baby, a lot of people have been asking me what Sober Baby is and like who Sober Baby is. And um, I think I'm the Sober Baby. I'm just like a little baby trying to stay sober. And I hope that the people that I bring on this show can selfishly teach me things that will help me stay sober, but also like selflessly as possible, right? Share things with y'all and that we can just like hold space together. Because again, like addiction is a life or death topic. Addiction is not a joke. Um, this show aims to use destigmatizing language. And what that means is that I'll never, and I don't think about addicts as being bad people. Um, I don't think about addiction as something that's bad or inherently wrong or um, immoral. It's just that some people are addicted to things. Some people struggle with addiction and some people don't. So, um, please hold me accountable if I'm ever using stigmatizing language. The other thing that I just want to say um, in terms of the show's objectives is is that addiction and sobriety are both really deep and complex topics. And a lot of research around addiction conceives it one way and a lot of, you know, 
uh, rehab centers conceive of addiction in a different way. And so I am not promoting um, one version of addiction or one type or brand or flavor of sobriety. Addiction comes in as many uh, flavors as there are people. So hopefully through this show, I can share with you that um, I, I'm like grateful and I'm fortunate to be in relation with people that are all different types of addicts and all different types of sobrieties and all different types of identities. And that film, TV, and media has wanted us to think that addicts look like one type of thing. And the Reagan administration and the Clinton administration and the government, like largely the American governments, have wanted um, people to think that addicts look like certain types of ways and that addicts should be punished. And again, the last assumption on this show is that I don't believe and I don't think the people who I bring onto this show believe that um, people who struggle with addiction should be punished either through law enforcement, the prison industrial complex, or through shaming and like public shame or stigma. So again, I'm biased because I'm an alcoholic and an addict and I don't think that punishment has ever worked. I don't think that punishment ever works. Um, and so yeah, those are the assumptions of the show. And I hope that if you are like, I do not believe that stuff, that the show challenges you to rethink what you uh, take as rock solid in your reality. And, um, and if nothing else, that maybe you pass this on to a friend who is sober or maybe you pass it on to a friend who uh, maybe needs some extra support and that, you know, this network can just continue to grow and support each other. So, um, oh my God, I think with that being said, I'm going to welcome my guest. I have to get the, I have to get the song pulled up really quick on my sober baby, on my sober baby playlist. And, and yeah, I'm really excited to welcome, um, Rachel and Eva to the show. We went to Connecticut College together. We'll spill all the tea in just a minute. But Eva, if you are on this um, channel, if you and Rachel want to join, I'm going to play your song. And please uh, join me in welcoming Rachel and Eva to the show. Oh my God. Eva's here. Okay. Okay. So beautiful. Oh my god. I'm freaking out right now. I'm I'm eating also. So this is our first like virtual sober baby. And I know that Danny was telling me that on live streams, if like one person talks over another, it'll cut out that voice. So I'm just gonna like be really, really mindful of how much I talk. Um, but yeah, Rachel and Eva, what the heck? Just like wanna initially ask, like, what are your pronouns? What are you drinking? Where are you coming from in this live stream? You're the first virtual one. Tell us, tell us all. Um, I'll go, do you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay, I'm Eva. I use they, them, and she, her. Um, we're in Providence, Rhode Island right now. Our cats might make an appearance. Uh, yeah, that's me. Great. I'm Rachel. I, my pronouns are they, them, and their. I am also in Providence, obviously. <laughs> I was looking at I Am Joan of Art. First of all, that's dope. Um, yeah, so she's like a popular Christian artist and she's a real Christian. Mm -hmm. So she's like actually here like for reality and down with the gays and like all about that stuff. So she's really cool. Give her a listen. Yeah. Oh, Gatorade. That's what I'm drinking because I'm basic. I'm like real basic. Eva's, Eva's doing something a little bit better than me. Oh, no, like I'm drinking vitamin water, the citrus kind, which has a little bit of caffeine in it. Coffee is like hurts my stomach these days. So this is my go to drink. 
Got some water. Yes. Cheers. Yes. Hydrate or dehydrate. Hydrate or dehydrate. Absolutely. Cool. I'm Marina. I use they, them pronouns. And damn, I'm just so excited for you to be on this show. I, I do want to just like offer you a little moment to, to just like share with everyone how you ended up on this show because I think it's really special. And that's so beautiful. Hi, Alex. My cousin's here. Yeah, so, we're we're obsessed with this show. Yeah, we're very much obsessed. We watch it like every, every week. single week. If we every can week. join the live, we join. But otherwise, we always catch up. Um, I was what was I doing? I was stretching one day and kind of like going through Instagram. And I saw that you had. It wasn't live, but I saw that you had done one, and I was like, "Oh, this looks really interesting." And um, so I clicked on it, and I ended up watching it two times over because it was just so healing and so inspiring and so honest, like especially on a platform that can be so dishonest. Um, and I'm trying to change my relationship to social media and change my relationship to Instagram. And I, I, I want to be on there as like a community space. And so just seeing that, like, I really just like gravitated towards it. And I, and I know you were saying like the manifestation, but like the universe definitely just like brought me to it in a way, you know, I was just like, knew like some part of my spirit was like I have to watch this like you should be sitting and watching this right now um and so it was just validating and affirming and so we kept watching it and I think what we had it on our big screen tv (laughs) one day (laughs) and reached out to Marina and we're like you're on the big screen because we're like truly we it's like it's like with our shows it's like with Grey's Anatomy Station 19 this is us and Sober Baby like those are my weekly shows You had it on the car. I think when you got your first shot. Yep. I had it on in the car, so it was on my Bluetooth. Yep. Which is like probably wasn't the greatest idea, but I kept my eyes on the road. Yeah, you did. Yeah. More podcasty in the car. But yeah, so I mean truly just so grateful. And then when you reached out, like we both squealed. It felt like a celebrity was asking us to be on this show. Screaming like a little girl. (laughs) So I want to do it justice. I'm a little nervous, but I'm so excited. So good. You're so, you're so special. Do you want to take a breath together? Do you want yeah, to? Yeah, I took a breath with you too. Let's do yeah. it together. I'm going to keep eating. Everybody breathe. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, I'm freaking out because I, oh, I just like, we went to college together and I always just thought you guys were cool as fuck. And like, I didn't really know you as like, a unit like as a couple like in a partnership I kind of just knew you like separately and I was always like oh I fuck with them like they seem like they just seem like good energy and then when you responded to the first sober baby episode I was just like damn like someone like Eva like responded to this thing that I did and and like it impacted them because like I consider you both like very highly and I respect both of you a lot and so when you reached out I was like damn I would love to have them on this show like so thank you for saying yes you know like thank you for agreeing because it means a lot much to us too yeah so much truly yeah we're not even gonna like do a show today we're just gonna talk about how much we love each other (laughs) But I have some questions that I want to ask you. Also, we got some really amazing questions from people um, that I was really excited about. But the first question I usually ask people when they come on this show is, can you just kind of briefly talk about, you know, what your life was like um, pre-drinking, like growing up? And I know that there's two of you. And so we have to like kind of, I guess, balance the time. And I have, I know we can do that. Um, But yeah, just like, what was your, what was your life like growing up? 
so for me, I'm the oldest. I have two younger brothers. Um, one's four years younger than me. One's six years younger than me. Um, I grew up in Dedham, Massachusetts, and I went to a small country day school from first to eighth grade, and then I switched to a, a private school in uh, Cambridge for high school. Obviously, went to Con College. My parents split up in ninth grade. Yeah, I mean, a lot of like nature growing up, a lot of being outside, a lot of creativity too. Like, I always knew that I wanted to sing and act and like be a mover and a, a dancer and all that stuff. So, that's what I can remember from growing up. Um, and content warning, I think sexual assault is definitely part of my story. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but just want to name it. I, I experienced childhood sexual assault when I was 16. Um, so that really um, impacted my path as well. So I just wanted to name that. Sometimes I tend to skip over it. And sometimes I want to skip over it. But sometimes I think it's important to name too. Because um, I was so silent about it for so many years. But yeah, that's me. That was so beautiful. Thanks, baby. Mine's not going to be that beautiful, I don't think. Cool. So I was born in New Brunswick, New Jersey, which is where Rutgers University is. And I have, I'm also the oldest. I have one brother who is also four years younger than I am. And we grew up with like both of our parents like together, they're still together, working professionals. And also our grandmother, our maternal grandmother was like a very major presence um, in our lives growing up. And she was a teacher, so that definitely informed, like, my behavior, but also, like, my own desire to teach. Yeah, definitely, like, a lot of nature. I was in, I went to, like, um, like a small-ish, like, K through 8 school for pre-K and kindergarten, and that ended up being, like, racist and kind of not working. So I switched to uh, a friend's school, a Quaker school, um, and I was there from first through sixth grade. And that was like a lot of like hippie, like nature stuff, like playing in the woods was like a dead serious recess option. Um, like every year had themes. It was just like a lot of like very loosey goosey. And then after sixth grade, I switched to like a prep school, K through 12 prep school for seventh grade. And I was there through high school graduation. And that was more like and where I'm from is the Princeton area in New Jersey. So obviously, like, the Ivy League, like, mentality is very pervasive there. So it was definitely a switch to, like, okay, like, achieve and be competitive and, you know, get all of these things so that you can, like, surpass everybody and get into the best schools and that kind of, like, achieve, achieve, achieve thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which ended up, you know, that's real. Settle, settling in naturally at Con College, um, but yeah, that's like pre pre party, Rachel. Yeah, it's so crazy to think about like the expectations that I hear a lot of expectations around your stories and a lot of just like pressure, and I think that that is like kind of a uniquely Northeast regional thing like and maybe I I could be wrong about that it might just be concentrated around like big city centers but I feel like that's such a northeast vibe uh just because there's so many ivy league schools there and like there's just this track that you're told about if you even dip your toe into a private school up north it's like it's a mentality yeah so damaging like oh god I'm like still feeling the effects in my body and my mind you know it's really damaging yeah 
And you have to change what you consider to be success, I think, a lot too, like your sense of self. And I think that, so we went to Khan College, and for those of you who don't know what Khan College is, who, Khan College, thank you for the follow. I hope that you share Sober Baby, because the drinking culture at Connecticut College is fucking twisted. And this pressure and this um, perfectionism, which I know is a part of your story, Eva, that I think is so pervasive in like K through eight schools and um, schools, at least that I went to also in Connecticut transfers and magnifies, I think in, in schools like Connecticut college, where there are around 2000 students, the achievement kind of bar is incredibly high. And even though there's like a lot of self-deprecation because it's not an Ivy league. So it's like, we didn't go to Yale, but like, we're still an Ivy, like we're still smart. Like there's just this inferiority complex and deep narcissism that I think that happens at that school um, plus racism. And so I, I guess I, I feel weird that I met such beautiful people like you in a place that had a lot of that going on, but yeah, I want to know when you started drinking. I want to know like when your first drink was. I want to know like what it was like because I think that um, for me, drinking resolved a lot of those issues that that I just brought up, like perfectionism and failure, um, or I thought it resolved a lot of those issues. Oh, sure, yeah. Just swallow my French fries here. Um, oh, I didn't. Well, the thing is, we're talking about like these cultures of like private schools, and so much of it. Like, so much of that drinking culture starts in high school for a lot of people. And I was always surrounded by it and knew about it and knew people who were doing all kinds of stuff. And like, but I knew like a lot of people who were, you know, who would like smoke weed on like campus or who would like at the dances, you could always smell it. And like, they were always trying to kind of like confiscate it or people were always sneaking stuff. Like I had friends who would sneak stuff like from their parents and things like that. And I just never really did partially, I think, cause I was like a bit of a compulsive rule follower as a result of getting in a lot of trouble as a young, as a little kid. So I was always like, I what if, if I get caught, I'm toast. So that was a, a legitimate, like a kind of a stumbling block. And then I was also like, I don't want to get sick. Um, and I don't want to, I was like semi closeted. So I was like, I don't want to, lose control and say something that I shouldn't say. So I think honestly though, my first drink, there was a party like right, like the winter of my senior year of high school. So we're throwing it back to like January, February of 2012. And we had like all been out to dinner somewhere. And then we went to somebody's house and there was all this like all this drinking that was happening and people were like drinking and then, you know, like pretending to drive home or like pretending they were fine and then driving home. And I, and like a lot of that was happening and there was like, God, what was it like coconut Malibu or something? And somebody handed it to me. And I remember I took a sip and I was like, this is not good. Like this doesn't taste good. So I'm not really feeling it. Um, and I didn't really care about it and didn't start like really like drinking socially until like that, the, like my, uh, the summer after I graduated high school, because there were like all these parties and like you like graduation parties and people sneaking different things in. And so um, that was like one of those parties was the first time that I got like drunk 
and that was like me and my friend in like the back seat of some random kid's car with a handle of Smirnoff. And I remember I told we had this conversation, the three of us, but I remember just like drinking it and being like, this tastes like nail polish remover. Like you drink this, this is what you do with this. Like what? Like I was, I was astonished. I was astonished. But I was also like, oh, this is fun because now I'm like one of the fun girls. And like, you know, I can like not feel as like I can be more open. I don't have any inhibitions. So I guess that was like the warm up before going to con where it was just like so much drinking all the time. Yeah. Which I yeah. we can get the con drinking. I think will happen in a second. But. Yeah. So for me, I think it was ninth grade and I got together with my middle school friends and we drank like Jack Daniels. I don't know where one of my friends got it. And that was the first time I took like two shots. I also thought it was disgusting. Like I don't, I don't, I'm also not sober. I want to make that clear from alcohol. Um, But I really don't drink a ton. Um, And I definitely drank more in college. But I remember having that and like, getting into this different state and then passing out really quickly i'm a i'm always i'm generally most of the time the first one to go to sleep (laughs) at a sleepover or when we hang out and i had a lot of anxiety around it for sure um there's a lot of addiction in my family um and then i would definitely drink a lot in high school like going out and partying and similarly to rachel i remember one time like taking a swig of something and it just coming back up so from the get-go like my body kind of rejects alcohol sometimes um and i like can't take shots or else i will probably get nauseous and maybe vomit so i'm trying to just like listen to that like my body doesn't like it and it rejects it so i'm trying to listen to that and definitely was like in high school drinking to get drunk you know drinking to party drinking to feel comfortable at this party yeah Yeah, I identify so much with both of those stories. I think part of it is the drinking. Like my drinking for me throughout my whole drinking career, which I didn't get paid for once, is just like I was either drinking to feel something or I was drinking to feel nothing. Mm. Like two options for me. And I want to talk about con. I want to talk about con because con was fucked up in many ways even though like I'm really grateful for the awesome education and the people that I met there like I feel like my alcoholism really took off at con Mm. and that in many ways is the worst of my drinking was during that period like I don't think the last like six years really saw the worst of my my drinking personally I think it was really really bad in college and I had a hard time reckoning with the fact that even though my drinking doesn't look like it does in college it's still a problem because the drinking that we did in college was deeply problematic for me and so normalized so normalized. oh god yeah yeah ah oh ye connecticut college my disclaimer about con is that like like marina gratitude for the education that i was able to get and have and i can't hate a place that gave me the love of my life and like life to lifelong friends and connections like this you know but also it's just like yeah. What's interesting, what's interesting, and so Marina, this I also am interested to hear what you think about this because also a 
pause for the cause. In terms of our our grades, Marina graduated in 2015, I graduated in 2016, and Eva graduated in 2017. So when I got to Con, that was the fall of 2012. So Eva was really in high school, and Marina was just like rocking out as a cute little sophomore. So <laughs> Con's like drinking, just to give everybody a sense of where we were, Con's like drinking rules and I use that in the loosest possible term way like had they they go through these kind of like phases so like before two three years before I got to con part of the drinking culture was like these huge floor parties and like Marina I don't know if like I know that that like around the time I got my class got there, that was like getting phased out. But I don't know if like your freshman year, that was part of the game, but it was this huge. And like, there were kegs in the common rooms. Um, See, right. But like, and so, so it goes through these really interesting transitions. Mm. But were you there for the, what was it like your freshman year? Uh, My freshman year was characterized by me discovering like beer and, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could you could have I forgot about this. Thank you for bringing this up. You could register a party to occur in the common rooms and you could get a keg, but it had to go through campus security. But yeah, basically, like my experience freshman year with partying was like, don't ask, don't tell like the campus. They were just kind of like, you know, bless them because like they had a really tough job. But I don't think that they were there to enforce any sort of non policies. No. Yeah, actually, it's funny you brought that back. Because I, I was such a hermit my senior year. It's like when I was really dealing with my trauma stuff. So like I went out and hung out with people probably like three times the whole year. So I think they brought that back my senior year where you could register. So it just remembered that. Oh, that's my dad commenting, Rachel. I can see you reading that comment. Jim S1701. Maybe you weren't reading that comment. Yeah, he's a Connecticut college. Oh my, how about that? Go camels. Yeah, dad, we had a great, we had a great time. Like we're, we're all good. You know what I mean? But just the drinking culture at a super concentrated school that isn't a part of a city and that's really isolated, I think caused just this magnified drinking culture. Where it's like the only thing to do on Thursday, Friday, Saturday is get fucking wasted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, I'm sure people told me this. But I wish that. I listened when people said that you can party without alcohol. I think I learned that too late, you know, because like, I I don't consider myself an alcoholic. um, But I definitely misused it, you know, or or drank when I didn't really want to, or when my body probably shouldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. By the time I got to con, I had had like experienced being drunk, like a whopping three times and was like, yeah, I'm ready. And it was very like from Yeah. From the oh, and the other thing about con is between when the school opens for like orientation and the first day of classes, the campus is dry. So there's like dry, like remember dry campus, and so there's this whole thing where like no one is supposed to be drinking. And so during orientation, I remember being like, oh, better not drink, like it's dry campus. And then I, people were like all like drinking everywhere, like parties everywhere, like all this stuff. And I was like very much scandalized by it. But as soon as dry campus was was over, I was like, yeah, me and my roommates, we would get, we would like go, you know, like in your freshman gaggle, we'd go in our gaggle to somebody's room and just like take a bunch of shots. 
too too many really and yeah you're just like drinking just drinking to get drunk like let me and it's also can be really performative too I think especially Mm. like because I was like really really shy I've always especially as a kid I was really shy and a lot of high school was me like not feeling super seen and not in like the traditionally like popular group of people and so it's also like that liquid courage kind of deal, right? Like you're just like, oh, I'm a different person and I'm like more fun and people think that I'm more fun. And like now I can go talk to this person because I don't feel scared anymore. And now I can go flirt with this person or like I can tell this person that I've like, you know, whatever, blah, blah, X, Y, Z. And so I think that was also a bit like a big part of it was to be able to perform it in a way that I didn't in high school, I think, especially freshman year. The drinking to get drunk and the fact that nothing started until midnight. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I'm t- I'd be like 1030. And I'm like, we're not there yet. <laughs> I, I didn't do that. <laughs> oh, like I, I needed to sleep. I, I couldn't. I couldn't do oh do the midnight things that started at midnight. Probably for the better. I started doing Adderall, but that's a pipe. <laughs> I was going to bring that in. And I think that like. You know, for people who, again, who are just joining us or who don't know what Kong College is, I think that we're talking about a specific institution that we all went to, right? And we're very privileged and very lucky to be college educated. And the pervasive drinking cultures that either center around Greek life or non-Greek life, because our school did not have Greek life, that, that just like center around very, very white kind of heteronormative standards of what is acceptable and what's unacceptable, super sexist, super homophobic. Like, you know, for me as a white person and not like, like visibly queer, because everyone that was straight, got in some really shitty situations because of the drinking culture. And this, for me in my head, this idea that I had to keep up as like a smaller femme person I obviously couldn't keep up because I'm five feet tall and like all these big boys were six feet and 200 pounds and so it unfortunately led to a lot of situations you know where I'm just like sleeping on the toilet and Adderall was one of those situations where it kind of counteracted the drinking and I think that the culture around drinking at con and in colleges, I'm sure around drinking was just as strong as the one around Adderall. I think that like study and party drugs were huge. And I know that they're a part of all of our stories. So I I was just wondering if you could talk a little more about it, because I don't think that people name that Adderall is highly addictive often and that it's um, really dangerous. Yeah. Um, totally. And I want to first name that, like, I'm so grateful to be here and talking about this because I haven't talked about being addicted to Adderall ever until like the past couple of weeks. So I just want to say that and I'm really grateful for it. Um, and yes, I think that because it's a prescription drug that people do get, and even if I do have, you know, undiagnosed attention problems that people have mentioned to me and whatever, was not an excuse for me to misuse it the way that I did. I think so much of my Adderall use and so much of my college like intersected with a couple of things. Coming out, I started to come out freshman year and I was dealing with uh, sexual trauma from when I was in high school and I didn't tell anyone about it for like four years. And so then all this trauma like bubbled up as I was figuring out my sexuality, as I was trying to make a creative identity for myself, as I was trying to, you know, uh, graduate. 
And so for me, like I started using Adderall a lot when I knew that I wouldn't be able to get what I needed to get done because I was either too tired or too exhausted or my PTSD and trauma was in the way. Um, so I started to take Adderall to do projects, to stay up, to get shit done. I'm also an overcommitter, but I also love lots of different things. So I couldn't see lots of things let go, even though I, I, I could have joined like 17 more clubs. So part of it was like my perfectionism getting in the way. And so I started doing it then and then would just do it to party too, right? Like, like I said, I, I like to go to sleep early, but that's not what the party life is. And I wanted a social life and I wanted to be able to really relax. So I would take some Adderall so I could stay up for a few more hours and stay up until two. Um, and then I just kind of continued and I would just keep doing it, you know, like as much as I could every day because it was working and I was doing cigarettes too. And so, you know, some uppers and, um, when I'd smoke weed, it would be a downer and kind of relax me and all that stuff. So it kind of matched everything. And like I said, like, I don't love uh, alcohol. So sometimes I would take Adderall to like go party because I wanted to be in that different space, but I didn't want to drink a ton because my body doesn't really like it. Um, thanks body. So, but, um, yeah, so that's my experience with that. And um, I haven't used Adderall since college. Um, last time I used it was, like, I used a lot sophomore and junior year. And then, like I said, I was pretty much a hermit my senior year because I was dealing with a lot of trauma and honestly just trying to, like, wake up and get through the day. But I would use it when I had, like, big projects or finals because finals does not work with the way that finals is set up with how my brain works. Um, so I would try to shift it and do what I thought was required of me. And Rachel was graduated at this point and was student teaching like 30-ish, 40 minutes away from con. And I was up for like 36 hours cramming for some final. I don't remember what it was, whatever amounts of Adderall I had to do to stay up. And then Adderall would also not like make me hungry. So I had an empty stomach. I hadn't slept and I had to go do this final and I just was like throwing up bile in the car and that's when I that was kind of my rock bottom with Adderall because my I don't throw up a ton and so I like knew that something was wrong and that it wasn't helping like maybe it never was it was never helping me in the way that I thought but I realized like this is hurting me more than it's helping me um and luckily like that was my last finals of school um so it was like a good timing wise I guess for me to, you know, stop using. But yeah, that was my choice. And I'm really grateful that my mind made that decision um, and could see it. And Rachel was also super helpful. And like, I don't know if this is good for you. Um, I'm, you know, I'm concerned for you. Like, you know, was worried, was going to take the day off. And I was like, I'm like affecting other people's lives here with, with this too. So yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thanks. Little bites of bravery. <laughs> Uh, what's the other thing? Yo, Danny. Going up, I'll humble you. Yeah. It'll humble you right quick. Yeah. It'll humble you right quick. You're like, look at your life, mm -hmm. look at your choices. I know. I felt like a zombie, you know? I felt like The Walking Dead. <laughs> Great show, but yeah. I feel like really emotional listening to you talk about that. I think because it's brave and it's really honest. And I think that I played my addiction to Adderall. And I thought it was really in my head because it was, it's a prescription drug. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and I was just like, you're being stupid, Marina. Like 
people are prescribed this, like you're not addicted to this. And it just, you know, I was snorting it at seven in the morning. You know, I was just doing some really twisty shit with it. And I feel really like, I'm just really grateful that you just shared that. Um, not only for you, but because I'm like, oh damn, like I'm, I'm not alone in this like journey stopping to do Adderall because it's been a couple of years, but it's like, wow, that's so real. That's so real. So thank you. Yeah, that that snorting too. Like the fact that I felt like I couldn't wait for the like no matter like let's let's like forget that it like just taking it is wrong, but like the fact that I couldn't wait for the pill to dissolve to get that feeling or I didn't want to was crazy because when you snort it, it's just a quicker release, you know. And I was like, I'm not doing coke, so it's cool. I probably have undiagnosing like ADHD. I need this. Blah blah blah. Again, I was just watching your latest episode. I was catching up on part of it that I hadn't seen. And you were talking about the lies that you tell yourself. And they were just, yeah, they were just lies. But I also want to say, because I was talking with my therapist, who's the best, I'm also really grateful for the person that survived because so much of my using is so connected to my trauma and myself as a survivor. And so I don't like regret anything because that was just the path that I had to take. And I'm really thankful for that person and also grateful that I can let her go. Um, mm. dropping them facts. That's beautiful. Thanks, baby. Go <laughs> ahead. Your Adderall life. Yeah, not or, or anything like whatever, whatever you're sober from, whatever you don't fuck with anymore. Please. In terms of like, I like Adderall was also one of those things that was around, and in the same way that you wouldn't like go out to like the events that were late at night. I had no interest in staying up all night. Yeah, <laughs> I like had i i wanted no part of that i was like like i can i can function on less sleep i think than the average human but like i'm just like i don't want to stay up all night it was such a turn off for me and it was like wherever i was in my work or wherever i was with whatever i was like i'm going to sleep i'm going to sleep and we're going to figure it out because i really just didn't i truly and i and because of my stomach which we we'll get into I don't and have never had drank coffee. So coffee was never like a thing. And I would just like, if I had to stay up very late, it was just honestly willpower. Um, and then I, my senior spring is when I was diagnosed with ADHD. And I will just say it's astonishing how easy it is to get Adderall once you have a, di a diagnosis like that. Like there's very little that you have to do to get like a quick Adderall refill that's a very high, like it's 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 crazy, it's, it's wild. And so before, like I, I hadn't, I didn't get the prescription until after I graduated, but then it was like the same thing. I was like, well, I know that I had ADHD. So like, I'm gonna like try, I'm gonna be getting this anyway. Like I'm gonna be, it's going to be prescribed to me anyway. So like, let me just like, see what's up. And I was, I, I do remember being like, holy shit. I didn't know it was possible to be able to focus like this. Like, I, I was just like, I can't, I, 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 I felt like a different person and a different student. And I've never felt like a good student particularly. And Khan didn't necessarily help that. But I was just like, whoa, like, look at all the things I can do now that I have this thing. And like, look at like, just like, look at me and look at, look at what's possible. And like, I sat and like wrote this paper in the library. What's up, Shane library. And listened to the same song for like 
hours while I was writing this paper, the same damn song for hours. And it felt like five minutes, but it was the same song. Like that, it's just like that, that. I just thought of something. I'll talk about it in a second. Cool. Yeah. So I think, and then what, yeah, once I got prescribed, once I got prescribed Adderall, then I was, I was taking it and it's, it's the stomach thing. For me, it was the, it was the stomach thing because it would fully take away my appetite and I wouldn't eat all day. And then I would be n- nauseous. And there were times like it got to the point where once I, I stopped taking it like pretty like six or so months after, because what would happen is that I would get so nauseous that I would be like, am I going to throw up? Like, like, am I going to, do I need to go find some place to throw up? Like that's instead of just like, it went from like not having an appetite to like actively not being hungry to being like very nauseous. And then like, am, am I going to, am I going to throw up? Um, And that wasn't working for me. And the come down from Adderall is brutal. Um, It's just, you know, like, cause it's an upper. So you're like, woo, wahoo, I can do anything. And then the come down is like rough. And like, you feel like shit and like everything hurts and the snorting thing, then you're like, your nose is all like messed up. And like, so I think for me, like I was introduced to it like a lot later than like Eva was. And then I was like very quickly after that had a prescription for it. So I definitely like had an unhealthy relationship to it pre-prescription and then after that I think also for sure I'd be like oh I'm so nervous about this new job or I'm so nervous about having to go like let me take an Adderall because it makes me more extroverted like it makes me more confident and more like this so let me just take this Adderall before I go to this new job or let me just take this Adderall before I go do this and it's prescribed to me so that's what it's for right but it was yeah for that it was like also my body was being like this doesn't work this does not work so yeah, that's that was that's it for the Adderall game. Thank you game. for sharing. Just, you know, just a day in the life. It's everyone is everyone, so yeah, nice. Thank you so much. I'm so ah, grateful. I feel like a rock star. <laughs> you are brief. Oh, the thing I was gonna say, but then I know we probably have to get to questions. Was like, oh my god, you what? talking about time and how like drugs? But I'm thinking about Adderall now. Changes time, and how that can be fun and like why are we searching for the change of time you know like I don't have like a nice thought about it but it just brought that up for me yeah I think that's oh god I also feel like we're just gonna go to 515 and we're just gonna go to 515 you know what I mean like we got we got a lot of stuff to cover um and and don't worry I see that my dad's like loving y'all in the comments um so Eva and Rachel will be back but yeah I think that when when I think about drinking it made time pass more smoothly uh, or Adderall or cocaine or any, like I've done it, you name it, whatever. Um, It just made it pass without like the choir of marinas in my head telling me that I'm not spending my time correctly or it was like giving me permission to relax or it was giving me permission to stay up or permission to finish assignments or Like, I just drank so much when I got dressed. I think that's what I think about most when I think about time. Like, the time that I had to spend by myself was so deeply unbearable for so many years because I couldn't look at myself in the mirror because I really didn't like the person that I was, the person I was with, like, what I was doing. I was so obsessed with comparing myself to everyone else. 
which is such a narcissistic and like privileged thing to do. Like, right. just, but yeah, I just, I think about the way that it, I just drank really cause I wanted to pass the time cause it wasn't acceptable for me to be just depressed and go to bed at 4 PM. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm going to go pee real quick because I'm just going to be more present. Yeah, please do. Well, Rachel, now that it's just me and you, I don't know. I just feel like, damn, you told me all such a good stuff. Rachel and Eva and I have been hanging out all week. And I guess the question that I want to ask you is like, what does, cause I know you don't, you don't drink, right? Like, what does that do for you to not drink? It's, it's, it's very interesting. It's definitely interesting. Cause it's not also, I have like extreme acid reflux. So I was like drank in college a ton because we were all drinking a ton and drinking like unhealthy amounts for sure. And then like a few years ago, I was like celebrating a family thing and it was there was like it was a party and I had like a few glasses of wine and then I went to bed and the next morning I woke up and was like, oh, I don't feel very good. And then I was like, oh, I guess I've got to throw up. Like, all right, you know, let's just like, where you just like kind of pull yourself by the collar and you just are making peace with what needs to be done. Um, And so I, yeah, and so I got sick, but then I continued to throw up pretty much nonstop for like the next 10 hours. And it just like, nothing would stay at that point. Like I would have, I remember I had like a, a whole, like I had Gatorade and then it was like all coming right back up. And so I had to go, Eve had to take me to the hospital because then I wasn't, I wasn't keeping liquids in. So I had to get hooked up to an IV and I was just, so acid reflux is like a, a, a particularly special kind of hell. So it's a lot of like stuff that your body, like that your body can't digest, but it's also like a lot of, you know, like right here. And so all of the like getting sick and eventually it was just bile that causes like intense heartburn because there's all that acid that's just like running up and through your esophagus. And so that was happening. And, you know, like throwing up is a trauma for the body, you know, like it's involuntary for the most part. And so like my body was like continuing to heave because it was in panic, even though there was like really nothing left. Um, And so I ended up finally like getting, you know, some relief and getting settled down. Shout out to the nurses because the nurses are the backbone of the healthcare system. And the nurses were just like really helpful in getting me what I needed. And I got, I had to get an endoscopy which is where they do the camera. And since, and that was like 2017. And I haven't drank since then because that was, that was horrible. But yeah, in that way, like my sobriety from drinking was not like a choice that I made, but it is a life that I live. And I think that at first it definitely sucked but so much as we've gotten farther away from college, at least in my experience, like, social drinking is not as much about like pounding at all and getting really drunk. And so like, I think if it had happened to me when I was in college, I would have felt differently probably because then it would have been like, Oh, well that's, that's the party currency. Like how am I supposed to have fun now? But I think for it to have happened like post grad and it was an adjustment 
for sure. And 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 it was a trauma too. Like like right afterwards, I was like, I am never drinking. I have no desire to drink. Like that was horribly, horribly, horrible. Um, but then once I was able to kind of work through that, there are definitely times where I'm like, you know, I'd like to just have a beer with dinner. I do miss beer. I loved a good beer. Um, but it definitely, I, I mean, I definitely feel like also good about it. Cause then I'm like, well, I can drive everybody. Like, I don't have to, you know, like, I, like, I don't have to worry about, oh God, how am I going to get home if I want to bounce and being the so like being in terms of alcohol sober around people who are very drunk is also like interesting and at times amusing which can be great when you're not drinking but it's also like has been it's been an interesting like perspective shift I think yeah that feels like it was just a whole lot of nothing no that was (laughs) no That was amazing. I'm taking notes. You know, I'm learning. I think about um, how I I'm also identifying. Right. Because so much of my alcoholism wants me to just be like, oh, well, I don't have acid reflux, so I can drink, you know, like it's just delusional. So I'm thinking about how I used to dress in like minimal clothes because I would have skin reactions to alcohol. I wouldn't have stomach reactions other than just barfing all night. But um, I I'm dealing with residual anxiety about waking up because I I still get scared about waking up early because of how many times I woke up early and was still drunk and knew I was going to throw up. And like, I knew that when I went to bed at night at con, I would wake up and I'd be like, Oh, you're going to throw up when you wake up. Like you're going to be hungover, like help. And so for me, like I have to work through that. And this is kind of a rough segue, but I, you know, you both don't drink for different reasons than I don't drink. And certain things really trigger me intense emotion makes me want to drink hard days make basically everything makes me want to drink but if I could like name a few certain things make me want to drink more than others and I was just wondering if there are things that that you like maybe don't do or that you are aware of that you're like oh I can't really go like do that right now I can't be the DD for this group like are there certain things that are more difficult for you than others choosing not to drink or choosing not to use Adderall um, because those are things that you don't do anymore Mm. um for me I just like I think I I'm very self-conscious about like how much I can get done without Adderall, you know, like I get scared, like I'm scared if I were to ever go back to school, like how would I get through it? Cause I don't know what that would look like. Um, I'm scared that I can't do all the things that I want to do cause it's not possible. Um, so I think that like my perfectionism gets in the way. I'm like totally in recovery from that. And was so I think connected to my Adderall use. So, like, when I'm, uh, like, stressing about getting something done or having a lot on my plate really freaks me out. And in terms of cigarettes, like, I I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. I I have a couple here and there, but it's not about purity. It's about the journey. I'm sorry. When you said I had a couple, I thought you meant, like, physical. I was like, where? Oh, no, 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 not here. No, no, not, not here, not here. I haven't bought my own cigarettes since college. But um, for that, like, I definitely had a couple of times during COVID where I was like, mm, just, maybe I should just go buy a pack of cigarettes. It's like, everything sucks. You know, like, when things seem a little bit hopeless, like, that's when I'll feel um, compelled. If, like, the future isn't really presenting itself to me in a hopeful way, I just think, why not? Yeah. I'm trying to think. In terms of Adderall, I think I don't 
in the way that it's like intertwined with Eva's perfectionism, I think for me, it's intertwined with like the, um, I've always had around my executive functioning um, and like, you know, like getting organized and like making a plan and doing all those different little, like, that's really, really hard for me. And sometimes I'm like, damn, yeah, this would be, I wish I could just like get my, like get my thoughts like gathered and get my head straight and gathered and not in all of these gazillion different places that it always is. And like bang out this lesson plan or like, you know, write this grant proposal. Let me act, act like I write grant proposals, but that can be, for me, it can be connected to like, why can't I just do this? Like, why, why, why can't I just do this like everybody else? Why can't I just get it done? That's like a lot, that's a lot of my self-talk. And if like, this is just a thing, but at con, the exams are self-scheduled for the most part which is just like a joke because so many people cheat, but it also gives you time. So you get like a period of time and it's like by this day at noon, you just need to have finished all of your exams. So you can like study a bunch and take them all on one day or you can spread it out or whatever. And I was all always, 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 always until senior year, like to the last day, to the last at like last moment. Like, um, and I think those insecurities definitely can, they come up all the time for sure because school just sucked for me so much of it. But I think in terms of like the Adderall and being able in the way that I connected it with my ability to be extroverted, but also to be like traditionally organized, which is also very much like a, a thing in the teacher verse of being like this kind of organized person with the standards and the lessons and the binder and the this, and I've got the test sheet. Like that's so much of the culture of teaching too. So I think in those moments, it's like, man, yeah, right. Remember when I had Adderall and I could like sit and write a paper and listen to the same song for nine, <laughs> nine hours or whatever. And with drinking, I just, it was so horrible that anything like the, anything that's alternative to that doesn't bother me. So like I like I miss a beer or I miss something, but I don't think that I have triggers for drinking because it was just so, it was so traumatic and it was so awful. I don't wish I don't wish it on anyone to be consistently vomiting for ten hours. I don't wish it on my worst enemy, because it feels like you're never gonna feel better, and that's not ever like I I that's not ever what I want again ever. And it's happened since because of other acid reflux things, but I think for me it's like. Nah, I know my, I know what my body, my body's like, no, I don't need, mm. I don't, well, my dad's texting me. Yeah, like right now I'm like looking around and I have a really hard time keeping, keeping a clean and organized living space. That's like how my depression manifests. And I'm like, oh, sometimes I'm like, oh, if I just had some Adderall, like maybe I'd be able to clean this shit up. But then I remember like, these are the lies that you were talking about. When I was doing Adderall, my room at Calm was a fucking mess. Like, <laughs> so that's not true. Like, I would literally go, it was disgusting. I wouldn't clean my sheets for months. There was laundry literally everywhere. You know, just like two-week-old cups on the, on those desks or whatever. So, mm. yeah. Thank you for being so honest and vulnerable. I think it's, it's weird to kind of be like, we're going to pause this conversation in a sense, it's very weird because I'm like, I don't want to pause. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of what you've both said 
And again, this is like a selfish show because I'm learning. I'm calling people onto this show to be like, yo, teach me how to be a fucking person. But so much of what you said revolved around fear. And that for me, fear is about losing what I already have or not getting what I want. For me, that's how fear manifests. I'm afraid that I'm, that I'm going to lose what I have. I'm going to lose my beautiful partner, my lovely apartment, my cat, et cetera. Or I'm, gonna, I'm never going to get, I'm never going to get what I want. And unfortunately, or whatever, maybe not unfortunately, drugs and alcohol, cocaine, Adderall, any type of liquor helped me pigeonhole myself in the middle of that fear so that I didn't feel like I wasn't going to lose what I have and I wasn't going to not get what I wanted. And the reality is that I never, ever, ever got what I wanted on Adderall. I never, ever, ever got what I wanted when I was drunk. And, and yeah, I think it is a lie. I think it's a lie that somehow alcohol or a drug that you're maybe not using in a way that whatever, fuck Adderall. Literally, I'm going to make sure it's to say fuck Adderall because I don't even know a, a world in which it's like really great. But just that, that that's a false promise, right? That's a false promise. Um, and that like, I don't know, I think you two show really loudly how you can set yourselves free. I mean, the support that you're giving each other is unbelievable. It's really amazing. I feel weird wrapping it up. Like, I feel like... <laughs> gonna miss you (laughs) I don't want to say goodbye this is so this was so awesome I can't even tell you like yeah I'm so honored I'm so so cool yeah I feel so grateful like I I never thought that I'd be here talking about this Um, yeah talk about that for like the last five minutes um kind of like where you are I guess like to put it in kind of a a moment like where you are now like we're in this moment together you know but I think you you're both articulate so well pains that have happened and traumas that have happened um and it seems like you've healed in many ways from those to be able to talk about them here yeah honestly I said this in my counseling session so many times I just feel so grateful and I feel like I feel like I'm in the right moment. You know what I mean? I'm not searching for a different moment. Like I feel like I'm living the life that I have wanted to and that I'm supposed to. And that's a really beautiful thing. Um, Yes, girl. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. In all of its scariness, you know? It's so beautiful. Trying to just trust the journey, you know? Trust the journey. Yeah. Um, Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, this has been such a crazy t- Like, what is time at mm-hmm. this point? You know, like all of 2020, question mark, question mark. Like that, that, that was a whole thing that happened. And, and what's interesting is in the, in the summer of 2019, I lost both of my grandmothers. Um, they were very old and lived wonderful lives. So it's, it's like really all good. They were, um, major, major people. And I ended up being um, with my, my maternal grandmother, who I mentioned, who helped raise me. Um, I ended up being with her um, when she passed. And it was intense. And it was a lot as one would imagine. But like, that shifts your that shifts your perspective on stuff real quick. When you've just like been with somebody and, you know, watch them just transition from, you know, being right with you to being just somewhere else and something else I think really it just it made me like not sweat things quite as much I think and so also you know by the time you know the pandemic was really underway I was already feeling immense gratitude 
that I had been able to have 25 years with my grandmothers. They were, they were 90 and 96 when they died. I mean, the women were hundreds of years old. So like, I was so grateful to have had that time with them and also to have not um, been, you know, had to go and go through all of the really horrible things that um, elderly folks have had to experience within this pandemic because they were already, both of them were already inside, like, in different care kind of situations and that were already really intense and, and, and taking a, a toll on, uh, you know, all of us as a family. And so I, you know, to be in kind of in the pandemic and in this space, uh, you know, I had that much more, I think, gratitude for, for them and for what they gave me, but also for the time that I had with them that got to be, you know, that so many people don't, get and didn't get and I think I turned 27 last week was that last week I don't yeah, know last week but um and I think I'm just like I, I'm I am just grateful for another year and I think I just like have to always acknowledge that so many people didn't get one like so many people didn't get another year didn't get to see 2021 didn't get to see the this vaccine or any of this stuff and so for me even in the moments where I'm like frustrated with myself I am just like hey dude like you're here like I'm here I get to be here I get to you know have turned 27 not everybody gets to turn 27 so like yeah that's just I'm like a little emotional yeah it's the writer in me, the wordsmith. I can can yank the heartstrings if I want to. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being brave. Thank you for being honest. And thank you for being on Sober Baby. Oh, Thanks thank for you. Literally, thank you for breathing. I mean, you're just incredible. I'm so grateful for you. Forever and ever. Oh, forever. Like, see you tomorrow? Like... <laughs> you right after this i'll play your <laughs> exit song and uh thanks everyone for watching thank you everyone hey this is marina the host and creator of sober baby hang out until after the credits for cringy and cute selections from behind the scenes to listen to all of our episodes watch the live show each week and to support sober baby head to our link tree l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e backslash sober baby thank you to all of our patrons for helping make this show possible my college cutie miranda demaze nordling for music direction curation and licensing through now again records queen of crochet jenny alpa for audio engineering my partner danny vargas for the endless support and love and all of the sober babies out there because without you this doesn't happen never done this before so just hang tight the suspense is 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 killing me says won't send request okay hold on let's see let's see we got this we, we totally got this okay i sent you a request let's see. <gasps>